welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, your austere religious scholar, who's going to be your host in this weekly roundup of fake news. Well, the main thing that you're hearing about this week in the news is Omicron. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Uh, The Omicron variant has been unleashed. (laughs) And so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I hope you all have had a a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great Black Friday or uh, Friday of Color, as we might have to start calling it after today's episode. And uh, that was all this past week. Um... I don't mean to brag, but I actually saved myself quite a bit of money on Black Friday by not going anywhere, and so I'm very excited about that. (laughs) But something else that Friday brought us was news of the Omicron variant upon this earth, the Omicron variant of coronavirus, COVID-19. And so we dealt with Delta, uh, no pun intended there, we dealt with Delta for the past several months. And I guess maybe there's been some more variants in the meantime, but the new one is Omicron. That's what the news wants you to be afraid of. And I just kind of like saying Omicron because it sounds like the villain or in like a Transformers movie. Okay, I'm pro- I know I'm not the first person to make that comparison, but when I heard Omicron, it just sounded like some kind of Transformers robot. And so I was thinking about that this week because the the villains in Transformers are called the Decepticons, all right? I haven't seen all the Transformers movies, but I think the bad guys in all of them are these things called the Decepticons. They're the evil robots. Um, the, the the best Transformers movie, the only ones I really liked were the very first one they made in 2007, and then the one they made a couple years ago called Bumblebee. And my favorite line from that movie is when uh, there's the army guy, and the, the, the army guys have met up with the Decepticons, and they think the Decepticons are the good guys. And the army dude, I think he's played by John Cena. He's like, are you sure we should be listening to them? I mean, they're literally called Decepticons. <laughs> but the media just, I mean, the, uh, but the government, the, the military just kind of blindly believed whatever the Decepticons said to their own ruin by the end of the movie. And um, I was thinking this week about uh, how the media is freaking out again about Omicron, just like they did back when coronavirus first came out. They're talking about doing lockdowns again, talking about vaccine mandates again. Pfizer's already announced they are coming out with the Omicron vaccine. Isn't that amazing that they already, there's this brand new variant that was just discovered like a week ago, and they're already developing the vaccine specific to Omicron. And they've already detected cases in the United States of America. It started in South Africa a week ago, It's already in America, and somehow, this brand new variant, they already have ways to test in America whether or not you have not just coronavirus, but the particular variant of it called Omicron. It's all a bit suspicious to me. Um, But the media has just panicked about this as if they didn't even remember what it's been like the past couple years. All these, all the, you know, they're, they're talking about masks and lockdowns again, Despite the fact that the lockdowns didn't even work the first time around. Why do they want us to lock down yet again? Um, here's the scary thing that we're at in our society. 
the governments of the world have shown they can just push through whatever they want and the public will just eat it up as long as they slap the word safety on it. If they say it's a safety measure, if they say it's a public health issue, people will just blindly trust whatever the government and whatever the media say. As long as they call it a safety measure, people will just go along with it. It's scary times that we're living in that people are that gullible. People are that gullible. They'll just go along with whatever the media says as long as they say, we're doing this for your own good. Since when do we just take people at their word? Since when do we not ask to see the data, to see the facts and figures? Uh, absolute craziness. And we're going to have some more on that later, but I just want to start off talking today about how the media lies about COVID because this is a show that's kind of focused on how the media looks at things. There's always two stories to every story. There's the story of what happened, and then there's the story of how the media covered it. And there, that's always another whole story just in and of itself. How the media covered it is oftentimes, it's sometimes even a bigger deal than the story on its own. Uh, if we look at how the media has talked about COVID the past couple of years, you know, Americans are always complaining that the rest of Amer the American public basically is complaining that people don't take COVID seriously enough. But people don't take it seriously because they don't know what to believe. Because the media is always out here pushing the latest scary news headline about coronavirus and people don't know whether to believe it or not because media credibility is so low. And I don't blame people for that. I think that's a problem the media has, they've brought it on themselves. You know, people complain, oh, why won't everyone just wear masks? Why won't people get a vaccine? Why won't people trust Biden? Well, the media has politicized this coronavirus thing from the beginning. Uh, from the very beginning, the media has tried to turn this whole thing into an us versus them battle. When Trump was president, they were just skeptical about everything Trump said. They criticized everything he said, even whenever he turned out to be right. They never turned back and admitted they were wrong. They just wanted to go against whatever Trump said. They were putting all this vaccine hesitancy out there. The Democrats and the media were criticizing the idea that Trump could, you know, they said first that he was never going to get it out in the timeline that he said, that he said he'd have it by the end of the year. We played some clips in an episode a few weeks back of, he claimed in one of the debates, we'll have a vaccine by the end of the year. And they fact-checked him on it and said that was false. They were constantly spreading misinformation about vaccines and trying to seed, put out seeds of doubt in the American public about whether they could trust the vaccine because it came from Trump. And then Trump gets the vaccine out. Just in time for Biden to try to take all the credit for it. <laughs> and now a lot of people don't want to take the vaccine because on a dime, as soon as the president changed, the media's whole tune changed about whether or not you can trust the government and whether or not the vaccine is safe. They totally changed their tune as soon as the person who was in charge became a different person. They totally changed their tune as soon as the president changed. When Trump's president, the vaccines are something bad. You can't trust it. As soon as Biden became elected, it was a completely different story. They politicized this thing from the beginning. Now, if they wanted us to listen to them, they would be honest in how they report about COVID. Instead of lying to us and trying to make it sound like, um, like trying to make COVID as scary as possible. Uh, let's, let's start here with a story from Australia. Australia has totally descended into a police state. They've, they've built concentration camps for people who are not even sick. 
And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I've seen the pictures of them online. It's not the labor camps. I'm not saying it's the Holocaust. But they've built concentration camps where they put people who are not even sick. I mean, it's scary stuff what's going on in Australia. So there's this story I saw from the Victorian Herald Sun. Okay, so this is a newspaper in Australia. This is the literal headline they put in their newspaper. Child lost to COVID-19. That was the literal headline. I'm going to read that again. They said, child lost to COVID-19. Let me read the article to you. This is not, I'm not even trying to do it beyond the headline, but I'm just going to read this article. Headline says, child lost to COVID-19. Here we go. A Victorian child under 10 years old has become the youngest person in Australia to die with COVID-19. The Department of Health said the child, who was one of five people who died from coronavirus across the state on Friday, had other serious comorbidities. That means the child had a lot of other health issues besides the COVID-19. Continuing, it did not specify the child's age or the extent of their other conditions. Previously, the youngest person to die with the virus was a 15-year-old boy from Southwest Sydney. The teen died after contracting new, new, I'm not going to say this right, pneumococcal meningitis while he was COVID positive in August. All right, here's the sixth paragraph of this, of this news story. However, it was revealed that the coronavirus was not the reason for either his hospitalization or death. The six, six paragraphs in, this article tells you COVID-19 was not the reason he went to a hospital and not the reason he died. Let me read the headline again for you. Child lost to COVID-19. <laughs> so that's the headline. They, they basically say right in the headline that COVID-19 has killed this child. Then you start reading it. It said, well, he died with COVID-19. Then it says he had other serious health issues as well. Then it said COVID-19 was not even the reason for his hospitalization or death. They say that six paragraphs in after claiming in the headline that he was lost to COVID-19. That's, that's just an outright lie. There's no other way to spin that. And it's a non-story. As far as, I mean, it's sad that, it, that a child that young died, but they're trying to use it to add to the COVID fear when COVID, they admit, had nothing to do with why this child passed away. It said he had other serious health issues too. In other words, he just happened to be testing COVID positive at the time he died. But they said that had nothing to do with why he died. Maybe none of his symptoms were COVID related even. You know, flat out lie. But this is what Australia has turned into. And the American media is not much better. But Australia is basically a police state. They're putting people who are healthy in concentration camps over there for this. Scary, scary place. Here's what an Australia reporter said uh, on Twitter this week. They're reporting police set up checkpoints after several boards escaped from, gov from the government facility. That's their camp for COVID patients. After several boards escaped from government facility in Howard Springs, Australia, so far, three fugitives have been caught. All three tested negative for COVID-19. Three people escaped from one of their camps and the police were out looking for them. All three of them didn't even have COVID. Which makes you ask, why were they locked up in this camp in the first place? Well, you, I read a little bit on it, and I guess they had been exposed to someone who had COVID. So basically, the government locked them away at this camp. 
And when they tried to escape, all the cops were out looking for them and called them fugitives. That's what's going on down in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. Scary, scary stuff. And, and not just Australia. Um, let me see. I, here's a couple headlines I just saw today. Haven't read beyond the headlines, but um, Germany has announced lockdown for unvaccinated people. So Germany's plan for people in their country, if you are not vaccinated, you're banned from accessing all but the most essential businesses, such as supermarkets and pharmacies, to curb the spread of coronavirus. That's what's going on in Germany. So fascism is back in Germany. It's back now. Here's something about Greece. Greece is making COVID vaccines mandatory for everyone over 60 and is going to charge them $114 a month if they don't give in. That is how Greece is enforcing COVID vaccination requirements. So a lot of places in the world, have got, the governments have gone way total, totalitarian on this COVID stuff. And the people of their, of, their, of their countries are just going along with it. So long as the government tells them this is in public safety, this is for health, people are just going along with it. It's getting scary out there. And I've never, you know, I have some questions about the vaccines. If other people choose to get them, I have no problem with that. It might be just, you know, you just do what's best for you. I don't judge or anything like that. <laughs> you know, it's, I have no issue with it if someone wants to go get vaccinated. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do notice that the media has been going to great lengths to downplay any side effects of the vaccines. And to me, I'm like, why don't you just let the truth go out there? You know, the media is the media's not supposed to try to control the information that we get. They're supposed to let us have all the information that's relevant to us, and then we get to make our own choices. But instead, the media wants to tell us what to do. And they definitely want to tell us to get the vaccines. So one issue that's come up a lot as a vaccine side effect are these blood clots. If you try to go out and research this, people will tell you it's a conspiracy theory that, no, we're not seeing a rise in blood clots among people who got this vaccine. I hear about it all the time. And not just blood clots, but heart issues. There seems to be a lot of heart issues associated with getting the vaccine Um and a lot of young people are having heart issues to where if you're like a teenager, they say the risk of you get, taking the vaccine and having a heart issue to land you in the hospital, that's a greater risk for a teenage boy than it is if you just got COVID itself. As in like, as far as COVID landing you in the hospital, you are more at risk as a teenage boy. There's a higher risk from the vaccine landing you in the hospital than there is that COVID would land you in the hospital. And the media is not talking about these facts. These are straight up facts. Okay, so uh, they're, they're trying to downplay all this and they're already putting out the misinformation. I'm gonna call it misinformation. The media is already going out there and sowing seeds of doubt about whether there's any of these blood clot things going on. So um, the, the, this one health website, they had a headline this week, the ways cold weather can affect your body. And they start listing listing different things it can do. And then they say, to blood clots. You know, they're just trying to get the word out there. Hey, if you get blood clots this winter, it's probably just from the cold weather. That's just something that cold weather does. <laughs> and another health website, they had a headline. Up to 300,000 people are facing heart-related illnesses due to post-pandemic stress disorder, warn physicians. <laughs> if you have a heart issue... If you have a heart issue, there's 300,000 people who have heart issues, and they say it's due 
to post-pandemic stress disorder. If you are so stressed out about the pandemic, you've probably been one of those people who got the vaccine. So they're telling you if you have a heart issue now, that's a stress disorder from the pandemic. It's not the vaccine giving you that. Um, there's There's been a lot of athletes who are just suddenly collapsing due to heart issues. Uh, that's That's been something that's been very common. I see videos of this all the time, uh, mainly soccer players. Now, I thought at first it was just a joke because there's always that joke that soccer players are always collapsing and acting like they're hurt when they're not really hurt. You know, so I thought it was just one of those type of jokes at first. No, apparently, like there's actually, there's a lot of soccer players who are falling, uh, just like collapsing during games, collapsing on the field just because they're having heart issues. It's kind of scary. Um, there was a headline this week. The media says, media says that rising soccer player suddenly collapsing is just a coincidence. The media has responded to the recent spate of high-profile football, meaning soccer players, suddenly collapsing with heart problems in the middle of games by concluding that it is just a coincidence. <laughs> I don't know who, I, I forgot to look up who put that headline out, but um, it's all, they're just saying it's all just a coincidence, folks. All these people with heart issues, all these people with blood clots, it's just the winner. It's just stress. <laughs> it's just coincidence. They are putting the misinformation out there so that you don't question it as you see what you see happening with your own eyes. There's a lady that I've known, uh, I know her pretty well. Um, I won't say where I know her from because I don't want to just, I don't want to like identify her. She told me this just privately, but I've known her for five years now. She was telling me that, that uh, she had gotten the first dose of the vaccine, but she had not got the second dose yet because her husband had a negative reaction whenever he got the, the vaccination. He got both doses of the vaccine where there's the two doses. He got both of them and started having blood clot issues. And so we went to his doctor and had to get put on blood thinners uh, because he was having these blood clots after his vaccines. And then he went back to his doctor later. He's like, how long am I going to have to be taking blood thinner? The doctor told him for the rest of his life. He's going to have to be on blood thinners for the rest of his life because he got his COVID shots. Am I telling you not to get your COVID shot because you might have blood clots for the rest of your life? I don't think that's the, the typical reaction. But I do think it's actually a lot more common. I think it's a lot more common than the media is making it sound because I hear stories of it all the time. So I just want you, I just think people should have the facts. I think they should have all the information at their disposal and they should know going in if they're going to get a vaccination or whatever, they should know going in that like what the risks are. They should have all the information available. But this information is not being given to us. Because of the Decepticon media. That's what I call them, the the Decepticon media. Um, there was another headline that said one of the side effects of Omicron is blood clots <laughs> because a lot of people are vaccinated. So a lot of, and, and yet the Omicron variant is affecting a lot of vaccinated people. That is one of the things they said early on is that vaccinated people are getting the Omicron. So <laughs> they're wanting people to know, by the way, one of the side effects of Omicron is, is blood clots. <laughs> it's not the vaccine you got. It's the Omicron. Um, so Omicron is a variant of covid I think it's also a variant of the Decepticon media. Um, speaking of Decepticons, because, the, you know, the, they're the, the robot cars from Transformers. So they drive themselves. 
Apparently, we had a Decepticon attack here in the United States of America. You remember Waukesha a few weeks ago, where the man drove his car into a parade of people in Wisconsin. Um, the media is reporting that now, not as Daryl Brooks Jr. was the person who committed that terrible act. They're, they're reporting it as an SUV did it. If you remember last week, we talked about this a bit, that they were just kind of downplaying this as an accident, an incident. Uh, so some people had them, they were putting out the idea that he was running from the cops and plowed into this crowd, which was not true. Okay, let me just tell you a little bit more information that we've heard about this story. First from the Washington Post, some misinformation from them. Here's a headline from them. Here's what we know so far on the sequence of events that led to the Waukesha tragedy caused by a SUV. This tragedy was caused by a SUV. CNN reports Waukesha will hold a moment of silence today, marking one week since a car drove through a city Christmas parade. A car drove through it, <laughs> killing six people and injuring scores of others. They don't mention the person who did it. In contrast to, frankly, when white people have committed crimes. They'll mention the person by name and blame them, which is totally fair to blame the person. But for some reason, ever since it came out that this was a black dude who was a Black Lives Matter sympathizer, who hated white people, who had all kinds of crazy racist views, was basically a black supremacist. Ever since that was started to come out, the media has not wanted to talk about this guy. And they'll talk about this event that happened as caused by an SUV. One week since a car drove through. Cars driving themselves, guys, like the Decepticons. No, the Decepticons are the media. Now, let me read you this story from Fox News. I'm not. This is not fake news. It's just some more information about this guy, Daryl Brooks. So Fox News headline, Waukesha suspect Daryl Brooks allegedly ran over ex-girlfriend with SUV after catching her with another man. Okay, this guy just a few weeks ago, same SUV, ran over his girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> they weren't together anymore after this incident. Waukesha suspect Daryl Brooks allegedly ran over the mother of his child with his SUV after he caught her at a Milwaukee motel with another man just three weeks before the deadly rampage at an annual Christmas parade, a clerk told Fox News. Okay, so basically, the, in the, I'm not going to read the whole story. He caught his girlfriend with another man, I guess chased her to a gas station. Here's what it says. After the woman checked out and started walking to a nearby BP station, Brooks put, pulled up alongside her in the same red Ford Escape that he allegedly used to plow through holiday revelers on November 21st. But remember, this is three weeks earlier than that. He ordered her to get in the car, and when she refused, he allegedly socked her in the face, the complaint says. Brooks then allegedly ran her over in the gas station parking lot. The alleged assault left the ex with tire tracks on her left leg, a bloodied face, and a swollen lip. He did this just a few weeks before he ran through the parade with the same vehicle. Now, maybe you're like me, you read this, and you're like, why in the world was this guy not locked up in jail? Why was he allowed to even go back out on the streets with the same vehicle? Why was that even allowed in the first place? Because he was let out on a $1,000 bail. Why was his bail so low? These are, these are Democrat policies. These are liberal policies. Democrats are always trying to let criminals out of jail. They complain about criminal justice reform all the time. They say this is to help black people. Be and if you're like, what does that, why would criminal justice reform help black people? Because in Democrat brains, 
criminals are black people. So when they help criminals, they say it's helping black people. That is how they see things through this racial, through this racial lens on everything. So when they want to help black people, they think we need to go let more criminals out of prison. They're always trying to lower, lower bail to get more people out of jail, lower prison sentences. Some of them want to actually banish prisons entirely. They want to open all the prisons and let everybody free. That is how radically stupid and crazy some of these Democrats are. Sorry to use some kind of strong words right there. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're not offended by words like stupid and crazy, but that's such a stupid and crazy idea. I don't know what else to call it. I'm not going to sanitize my language <laughs> and try to make it more peaceful sounding. That is stupid and crazy to try to let criminals out of prison. They did this when COVID was hitting early on. They said, oh, we need to let everybody out of jail so COVID doesn't run through the jails. And then some of the rapists and murderers that they set free raped and killed more people. That's what Democrat policies do. So they said, oh, we need bail reform. We need to lower the, ra the bail rates. So basically in, in Wisconsin, you are not allowed, you are not allowed to set no bail. You have to set some kind of bail and apparently it has to be at some kind of attainable standard because they, this guy ran over someone with his car and he's out on a $1,000 bail. By, by the way, a Democrat DA, a Democrat prosecutor, set that bail so low. Those are Democrat policies because they think this is helping black people. Here's how I see it. A criminal is a criminal. Regardless of your skin color, I mean, that doesn't even matter. If you run over someone with your car... I'm not setting your bill at $1,000. I don't care what color your skin is, okay? But to a Democrat, they need to let the criminal who ran over his girlfriend get out of jail just as easily as possible or else they think it's racist <laughs> because that's how they think. And, and sadly, I know I'm laughing about it, but here's the tragic truth. A lot of people died because of that stupid liberal policy. All right, let's move on to another subject. Uh, let me talk for a few minutes about the the continuing saga of the left versus the courts. Because um, we've been talking about that lately, how that is one institution in America that the left can't seem to get its tentacles around. They can't control the courts. They can control the media and the education system and Hollywood and scores of other things. But the courts are something that are still, I'm not going to say even conservative, just more independent. Um, they're just more independent. And the left can't con always control what the courts are going to do. And that drives them crazy. And they're always trying to figure out ways around that. Well, this week there's been some stuff in the courts about um, the Supreme Court has been hearing an argument about the Mississippi abortion law, uh, that Mississippi put in an abortion law that challenges the core of Roe versus Wade. Basically, they put in an abortion ban after 15 weeks into the pregnancy. And so they went to the Supreme Court over this, and Mississippi is arguing that they should be allowed to ban abortions after 15 weeks. Uh, the I think Planned Parenthood is who is also arguing there, arguing that no, Roe versus Wade says abortions should be legal, that states can't set their own limits on it, that it should just always be legal. And um, basically that there is a possibility that the Supreme Court could overturn Roe versus Wade entirely and make abortion go back to being a state rights issue rather than a federal issue. That's one possible outcome. Another outcome is that they just uphold the Mississippi abortion law and don't even touch Roe versus Wade as a whole. 
And then another possibility is that they strike down the Mississippi abortion law. So there's, you know, there's a different ways this could turn out. I've seen a lot of excitement in conservative circles this week because they think, um, and it's possible, they think this is the moment Roe versus Wade will actually be struck down. There's been some opportunities for this to happen in years past, and it's never, of course, panned out. Roe versus Wade has always still stood. But there's been a little bit of a shakeup to the court lately that uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And so Amy Coney Barrett was appointed in her place right before Trump left office. And uh, they, she's much more conservative, obviously, than Ruth. Every, you know, everything is <laughs> everything is more conservative than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Joseph Stalin was more conservative than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So uh, obviously, this has got the Democrats a little bit nervous that Roe versus Wade will be struck down. Republicans are very excited that this might happen. I've seen a lot of excitement in conservative circles that this is the year Roe versus Wade will be struck down. I'm I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm not trying to make a prediction here. I'm just saying I'm giving you my thoughts. Here's an here's a side of the issue that I don't I haven't seen other people comment on this. But there's a few people who are going to be shaky on this in the court striking it down and I'll tell you why. The Supreme Court is very concerned. I'd say much too concerned about their image to the public. They don't want to be viewed as a political uh, as a political branch of government, even though they very much are. There are certain people on the Supreme Court, John Roberts is the main one, who are super duper concerned about not appearing too partisan and not angering the Democrats too much. Here's why they're afraid of angering the Democrats too much. Because they know if they go against the Democrats too far, that the Democrats might attempt to pack the court, to appoint more justices to the Supreme Court, just however many they need so that they can control the outcomes. So some of the people on the Supreme Court are going to be nervous about that, like John Roberts. I think John Roberts would be afraid to strike down Roe versus Wade because right now the Democrats have their slight edge in the Senate. And if Biden wanted to, he could throw out some more names and say, oh, well, let's just appoint, you know, two more or four more justices to the Supreme Court so that now it's got a, a Democrat majority on the Supreme Court. He could technically do that, and if all 50 senators got on board with that idea, then they could push more appointments to the Supreme Court on through. I mean, it would be a shameless power grab by the Democrats, but if they've shown us one thing over the past five years, they're willing to be shameless if that's what it takes to get their way. So the Supreme Court heard the arguments on that case this week. They would come out with their decision next June, June of 2022. And at that time, the Democrats are still going to be in control of the Senate and the presidency. So I don't think the court would actually want to go so far as to strike down Roe versus Wade right now. Because if they did that, there would be at least six more months there from that where the Democrats could try to stick more justices on the Supreme Court to undo this. They could, they could go for that. Now, I, so I think it's, I think it's, most likely that they'll go ahead and upload Mississippi's abortion ban just for Mississippi. But I'm thinking they're probably, they probably don't have the guts right now to strike down abortion as in like to, to kill the Roe versus Wade law. I wish they would. I mean, I would be extremely glad if they did. That's the worst Supreme court decision in American history is Roe versus Wade. Uh, Nothing has contributed to the 
loss of life in this country like Roe versus Wade has. I mean, there's been some other, maybe some bad, especially regarding slavery and stuff and other civil rights issues in the past that the Supreme Court has ruled on. I know. But nothing has caused as much death and bloodshed in this country as Roe versus Wade. I would love nothing more than to see it struck down. But I just I would just point this out. If it were struck down in the next year and Democrats decided in retaliation to pack the court, that would be the end of this country. Like there would there would be no going back. Our our government would be that our government would be damaged beyond repair if the Democrats went for a power grab like that. So it's we got this like kind of catch twenty two, you know. Do we let do we do we kill Roe versus Wade and risk the future of the country? Personally, I would. I would destroy Roe versus Wade and say, you know what? If if our if that destroys our country, our country doesn't deserve to survive. If it's going to have Roe versus Wade on the books any longer. I mean, honestly, I would say that I would, I would totally, I would nuke Roe versus Wade, even if it meant risking the whole country. That's how passionately I'm against abortion. But I don't know that that's how the Supreme Court is going to see it. <laughs> they must know this. They must know they are actually risking, they're risking their own jobs. Because once you politicize the court in that way, once you, once you push the Democrats into um, packing the court, you've made your own job irrelevant. So they would be going kamikaze on their own jobs, potentially. You know, the Democrats might not do that. But potentially, they could be destroying their own jobs. They could be destroying the Supreme Court. And that would be destroying a whole branch of our government. Our government would not last with that kind of power grab. Our country has no long-term chances if they destroy the government in that way. So I don't know that the Supreme Court is actually going to strike down Roe versus Wade. I wish they would. To me, it's worth the risk of the whole country. It honestly is. But I don't know that that's how the justices on the Supreme Court are going to see it. So we'll see. We're going to find out next year. I didn't even get into all I was going to say about um, the left versus the courts. Because speaking of the media and the left attacking our court system, I wanted to go back to this story from a few weeks ago about MSNBC was chasing the jury bus in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. The, the jury, to keep their identity secret, they were being bussed in from another location. And NBC, MSNBC was caught chasing their jury bus, obviously trying to find out their identities. Either to, you know, harass them after the case was over, to intimidate them into trying to find Kyle guilty, to dox them if they found Kyle innocent. I mean, they, they, they obviously had no good intentions around chasing this bus. When the judge found out about this, he banned MSNBC from the courtroom for the duration of the trial, which was awesome. But uh, anyway, some more information has come out about this. So the MSNBC reporter who chased the jury bus, what happened was he ran through a red light and he got stopped. And then the cop came and said, hey, why are you chasing the jury bus or whatever? Um, MSNBC puts out a statement right away. They said, oh, he wasn't trying to follow the jury. He was just going the same direction that they were. It was just a coincidence. And um, it was just a coincidence that the road he was traveling down was the same road that the jury bus was traveling down. Same direction. He didn't mean to run that red light. It was just an accident. Okay, so that was their statement a few weeks ago. They tried to just play like, oh, we weren't trying to do this thing. <laughs> now the body cam footage from that encounter with the police officer has been released 
and the body cam footage destroys NBC's story. Um, I won't play the whole thing because it, it just takes too long. It was several minutes long. But basically, the cop's talking to the reporter who was chasing the jury bus, and the reporter says, oh, I was just doing what my boss told me to do up at NBC headquarters. So he calls NBC headquarters, and the producer at NBC headquarters answers the phone and tells the cop, <laughs> by the way, the cop has not mentioned the jury bus or anything when he calls this reporter to the, the producer. He hasn't even mentioned the jury bus. And the, the producer says, we were just respectfully trying to see if we could find any leads about the case. By no means were we trying to get in contact with any of the jury members or whoever is in the car. We were just trying to see like where the key players in the trial may be at. <laughs> so, so when she answers the phone and tries to explain to the cop why the reporter ran a red light, she mentions the jury members being on that bus. <laughs> but, but the cop, I didn't play the whole thing because it's just several minutes long. The cop never brought up the jury. So that shows that the reporter and this producer were already in contact about what he was up to when he was chasing the bus. And this destroys NBC's press release that they put out, their statement saying it was all a coincidence and an accident. Because they're all liars, by the way. In case you didn't know, MSNBC is a bunch of liars. And they totally gave themselves away. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, at our church, we had this issue where um, there, in one of the bathrooms, there was, um, I think you call it grout. It's just like this um, sealant, caulky stuff that's in between the tiles on the floor in the bathroom. And someone was just breaking the grout. And like we were finding it just strung out all around the church, like kind of tracked around the church. And it, we just kind of thought, oh, it's some little kid, you know, digging out the little rocks and pebbles, the grout in between the tiles. And and dropping them around the church, you know, making a mess. So we just didn't know which kid it was. <laughs> like we kept we kept trying to figure out which kid is doing this. Well, finally, so I'm I'm walking down the hall and there's some of that grout on the floor again, and I see a little boy standing nearby. And I said to the, I said to him, "Hey, uh do you know where that came from?" And he's like he's like, "No, I don't know anything about it." I said, "Oh, okay. Well, you can you go put it back where it belongs?" He picks up those pieces of grout and he goes back to the bathroom and puts them in between the pieces of tile. <laughs> so, so he basically gave himself away. He was the one who had been pulling that grout out because he's he said he didn't know how it got there, but he knew exactly where it belonged. <laughs> so, so he kind of gave himself away. That's what I was thinking about when I saw this this deal with the with the the jury bus. They're like, we were just respectfully, we were by no means trying to get in contact with the jury. You gave away that you knew the jury was in the bus lady. <laughs> so MSNBC, bunch of liars. You can't believe anything that they say. But we already knew that. All right, let's talk about um, Biden's hypocrisy. I know it gets kind of tiring to talk about politicians' hypocrisy, but this connects back to what I was saying at the beginning of the program about COVID, that when Trump was in office, the Democrats and the media, which are all the same, we're constantly criticizing every decision he made. But now that tr now that Biden's president, he can do the exact same things and they're totally fine with it. So one thing that Trump did last year was ban travel when coronavirus first started to be found out that it was like a real thing. He banned travel for, to several different countries. One of them was China. And the Democrats freaked out and said it was racist to ban travel to China. 
Trump had to do a few different countries that he banned travel to and from just to protect us from the virus. Later on, the CDC said this saved lots of lives. They said it saved lots of lives that he did that travel ban. Joe Biden, here's what he tweeted. Trump further diminished the U.S. in the eyes of the world by expanding his travel ban. This new African ban is designed to make it harder for black and brown people to immigrate to the United States. It is a disgrace, and we cannot let him succeed. That's what he said last year in February of 2020. Okay? This past week, November 26th. The U.S. has banned travel from South Africa and seven other African nations by non-U.S. citizens beginning Monday due to the COVID-19 Omicron variant. (laughs) So the thing that he was criticizing Trump for last year and called it the African ban, saying it was designed to make it harder for black and brown people to immigrate to the U.S., now Biden's doing the same thing. The thing that the Democrats and media were calling racist last year. Is it racist this year? Of course not, because Biden did it. Governor Charlie Baker last year, he said, President Trump's coronavirus plan to suspend immigration doesn't make any sense. Governor Charlie Baker this year. Biden's air travel restrictions are the right move. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi last year. The Trump administration's expansion of its un-American travel ban is a threat to our, our security, our values, and the rule of law. Barring more than 350 million people from predominantly African countries from traveling to the U.S., this rule is discrimination disguised as policy. Here's how CNN reported it last year. Trump's latest travel ban is an attack on Africans. Here's how they describe Biden's travel ban. U.S. imposes travel restrictions as new variant spreads. (laughs) They're the biggest hypocrites you can possibly imagine. Kamala Harris, of course, she posted on Twitter last year, Trump's extended un-American travel ban undermines our nation's core values. It's clearly driven by hate, not security. (laughs) This year... This year, this week, she says, we've done what we believe is necessary. (laughs) Now, politicians are supposed to be hypocrites as kind of part of their job. But the media is supposed to is supposed to just be reporting the facts, not taking sides. Uh, If you remember last year, too, it was like, oh, Trump wasn't wearing a mask. Trump held this campaign event. It's a super spreader. But this year. Biden, you know, he's constantly breaking his own mask mandates and mask rules. And yet they say nothing about it. Barack Obama held his birthday party, turned out to be a super spreader event. They had nothing to say about that. No, they weren't wearing masks at his birthday party. But if Trump went outside without a mask on, he was killing grandma. Uh, There's a picture of Joe Biden this week from um, Thanksgiving break. He went to Nantucket and... It showed him shopping at some store. There's a big sign on the store that says required face covering. He's inside without a mask on. (laughs) This is why people don't listen to the media when they tell us to wear masks and get vaccines and all that stuff. Because they don't look like they actually care about facts or data. They look like they just want to attack Republicans and help the Democrats. They never criticize the Democrats for not following their own rules. I could give you a whole long list of at least a couple dozen people who don't follow their own coronavirus restrictions. I've, I actually kept a list last year of a bunch of them. In my Sunday school class, we used it as an example. You know, Christians, um, when they don't live the way a Christian is supposed to live, 
then people don't take Christianity seriously. Just like when politicians make all these silly rules and restrictions about COVID-19, about masks and social distancing and lockdowns, they make all these rules, but then they would not follow their own rules. Therefore, you see a bunch of people don't care about taking COVID-19 seriously. It's the logical reaction. When you see someone not living in line with whatever policies they espouse or whatever values they claim to hold, people don't take you seriously because it doesn't look like it doesn't look like you even believe that truth. I use that as an example for Christians that we should act uh, in line with what the Bible says and what we say that we believe. So I use that as an example in my Sunday school class, and we went through a, just for fun. We went through a whole bunch of uh, just a long, long list of politicians, Democrat and Republican, who make rules for everyone to follow and then don't even follow them. People in the CDC, people people who are scientists who make certain rules and then don't even follow their own rules. I said a little bit more hypocrisy for you today, Joe Biden. He posted last year on March 11th, he said, Donald Trump's remain in Mexico policy is dangerous, inhumane, and goes against everything we stand for as a nation of immigrants. My administration will end it. Well, guess what? This week on December 1st, (laughs) it was announced that Biden's administration is restarting the remain in Mexico policy (laughs) because whenever Joe Biden came into office, he changed a bunch of things about how Donald Trump was strict on the border. And now we've had just a flood of illegal and legal immigrants, but we've had just a flood of people coming to our borders, which is much more than they could even handle. And they're having to reinstitute Donald Trump's policies just to get the situation under control. Bunch of hypocrites. We know you can listen to politicians, but we this is why you can't listen to the media either, because they're exactly the same way. CNN Business on November 9th, okay? November 9th, Julia Horowitz, writing for CNN Business. Her headline, Why Joe Biden Can't Do Much to Ease Gas Prices. As you've heard, gas is just out of control. I mean, not as you've heard. If you've seen, if you drive a car, if you go to the pump, you've seen the gas prices are so much higher this year than they were last year. Ever since Joe Biden came into office and on day one killed the pipeline going through America and said he doesn't want to drill for oil in America. So we have to buy our oil from overseas and gas prices have gone through the roof since then. Julia Horowitz wanted you to know on November 9th of this year, Joe Biden can't do much to ease gas prices. Here's what she writes November 18th. Okay, so nine days later, same author, same website, CNN Business. Oil prices are finally falling. Thank China and Joe Biden. (laughs) Nine days earlier, Joe Biden can't even do anything about the gas prices. Quit blaming Joe Biden. He can't do anything anyway. Nine days later, oil prices are falling. Thank China and Joe Biden. We're going to have to do an episode sometime about how China controls a lot of our media, especially CNN. Um, yeah, so they're just a bunch of ridiculous hypocrites. This program is going a little longer than I wanted to. <laughs> I, I, let me see what else I need to talk about today. I want to talk about Mean Girls. Um, yeah, I'll talk about this real quick. Because this, this is just such a ridiculous, hypocritical thing. Plus, if you're tired of listening to me with a podcast, you can always pause it and like listen to more of it later or tomorrow or later in the week. It's a podcast. You can do what you want. So I'm not going to worry too much about going longer than usual. I want to talk about some congresswomen. Some congresswomen, Lauren Boebert 
Ilhan Omar, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, the, you know, the whole squad. Um, plus, the Republicans are starting to build their own squad with, uh, I think, Lauren Boebert's the star on that one. So Lauren Boebert, a few weeks ago, she's a Republican from Colorado, and she made a great speech on uh, just a couple weeks ago. She's kind of like a, which was going to the towards the top of my list on favorite Republican members of the House. She gave a real fiery speech and really kind of stuck it to Ilhan Omar, who's the horrible racist, not just even a racist, but just a horrible person in general over there working for the Democrats. Um, anyway, the past few weeks, her and Ilhan Omar have been trading barbers back and forth. I don't even really want to get into it all because it it's like high school girls. Okay, it's like the movie Mean Girls. You just see them making these sassy remarks to each other and making mean jokes and acting all clicky and oh no she didn't and uh a few a, a week ago lauren Boebert made a joke about ilhan omar being a terrorist and this this is where i stopped liking her okay i was actually fine with the joke because ilhan omar makes comments sympathetic to terrorists on a regular basis so i don't really care if you want to make terrorist jokes about her because that's that's she brings that on herself but then, the, of course, they tried to victimize all Muslims everywhere and say Lauren Boebert is making these jokes about all Muslims. Well, it wasn't a joke about all Muslims. It was a joke about Ilhan Omar because she wasn't saying all Muslims are terrorists. Lauren Boebert screwed up because she apologized. She had nothing to apologize for, but she apologized. So now I don't, not a, I'm not as crazy about her anymore because it's like, well, why would you... You knew you were going to get the backlash, so why did you... Why were you not prepared to take it? Why did you put out an apology? Make fun of Ilhan Omar all you want. If she's going to defend terrorists, then she brings it on herself when she gets joked about as being one. Anyway, so AOC, who can't let something like this go by without making herself a victim as well, she's now she's attacking the Republicans for not doing anything about Lauren Boebert. And she accused Republican, this the minority leader in the House, Republican Kevin McCarthy, of working with his Ku Klux Klan caucus. Say that five times fast. So AOC is referring to other members of the House of Representatives as the Ku Klux Klan. And AOC regularly says that the KKK and white supremacists, she calls them domestic terrorists. This is something a lot of people on the left like to label anyone who's a white supremacist. They say, oh, you're a domestic terrorist. KKK is domestic terrorists. AOC has said this. So here's my question. She's getting all ticked off and calling Republicans now KKK members. Why is it okay for her to call fellow House members terrorists when the whole thing started with Lauren Boebert calling Ilhan Omar a terrorist? She, apparently AOC thinks she gets to call several people in the House KKK caucus while complaining that McCarthy won't defend Ilhan Omar for being called a terrorist. So now we see all these Republicans wringing their hands over Lauren Boebert and they're like, oh, well, it wasn't proper for her to make that joke. It's wrong. She shouldn't have made that joke. But they're going to say nothing about AOC labeling them as terrorists and white supremacists and KKK members. And of course, the media is going to let her get away with it. But I'm sick of these Republicans just letting her get away with it because AOC is the queen of playing victim. This, this situation had nothing to do with her. And then, she, and then she puts out a tweet saying the KKK caucus is targeting all walks. Walk is this, it's the stupid word. The Democrats are trying to make a thing. It supposedly stands for women of color. 
woke. It's it's just a stupid word like BIPOC or woke. You know, and once we start calling it stupid because it is stupid, they're gonna they're gonna of course say Republicans are weaponizing the word walk against them. But this is their new word. It's walk. It means women of color to them. Okay, so this is what AOC tweets out. Kevin McCarthy is so desperate to be speaker that he is working with his Ku Klux Klan caucus to look aside and allow violent targeting of walks in Congress. Oh my gosh. This had nothing to do with her, but she's trying to make herself one of the victims. Because I, I think she's like Hispanic or something. So trying to make herself the victim in all this. They're like being mean girls, okay? <laughs> There's like they're, they're acting like the, the girls and mean girls. And then this is what AOC says. She says, well, people toss out cliches all the time, like we condemn all forms of racism and bigotry. The fact is, Islamophobia is too often tolerated and ignored. <laughs> well, I just thought it was really funny. She uses that phrase, that we condemn all forms of racism and bigotry. She says that phrase is insufficient. She says that's not enough that you need to name the specific bigotry. I'd say, okay, AOC, let's play that game. Let's talk about Ilhan Omar in early 2019 she kept making racist comments about Jewish people, and then she'd get called out on it, and she'd, she'd apologize and claim she didn't realize that what she was saying was racist. And then she'd do it again. And she did this like three times in the span of a couple months. And so the House Republicans wanted to pass a resolution condemning her. You know, just like the, the Democrats will do to Republicans all the time. What they want to do now to Lauren Boebert, what they did to another House member a few weeks ago for his stupid cartoon. They're... They, they wanted to put out, Republicans wanted to do a resolution condemning Ilhan Omar for saying racist things against Jewish people repeatedly. The Dems refused to pass a resolution condemning the anti-Semitic language from Ilhan Omar. Instead, what they did, they said, what we'll do, we'll just pass a vague resolution that condemns all racism, <laughs> all speech, not just racism, all speech that's anti-religion, all speech that's anti-LGBT, but they wouldn't single out the anti-Semitic language or condemn Ilhan Omar for being racist. They just wanted to pass something that says we're against all racism. That was House Resolution 183. And AOC voted for that, by the way. She voted for that a few years ago when it was Ilhan Omar on the chopping block. But now when Ilhan Omar can play the victim, she says it's not enough to just say we condemn all forms of racism and bigotry. <laughs> According to AOC's own standard, she's not doing enough. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, they were some of those fresh faces that were elected to Congress a few years ago. They should be called the fetch faces because they're nothing but mean girls. <laughs> and fetch, fetch might not happen. AOC is definitely going to happen. Mark my words, I think she's going to be a president someday. I'm not excited about that, but I think she has definitely got the skill set to become president. Um, <laughs> and probably not too long. Uh, I could talk more about her some other time, but I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not at all endorsing her or saying that's a good idea. I think she's a moron, but she definitely has the skill set of persuader. So I would not be surprised. In fact, I'm pretty sure she'll be a president one of these days. Um, let me mention this one story from Slate. You would have seen this on my Twitter already. If you found us on Twitter at fake news weekly, you would have got the scoop on this earlier, but Slate, when and I'm just mentioning this because I got on, um, when I was trying to wake myself up today, I jumped on Facebook and I see this news headline from Slate in the news tab on Facebook. 
and they put out a story with sexual preference in the headline. And someone must have, when I first saw it, I was like, uh-oh, remember last year? Sexual preference is a bad word now because Amy Coney Barrett used it <laughs> whenever she was having her hearing to be put on the Supreme Court. So someone must have realized that at Slate and they changed the headline to say sexual orientation, thinking we wouldn't notice. But it was it was on Facebook already that they put in sexual preference. The headline said, I have the last sexual preference for a man that no one will accept. So when I saw that headline, I'm like, wait a minute. That's that's the bad word now. That's a slur, according to the left, because Amy Coney Barrett said it. So I checked. Yeah, within 30 minutes, they had changed the headline to, to sexual orientation. They caught their mistake. But I, did, <laughs> I, caught, it, I caught it too, guys. <laughs> you can't get away with it. So, okay, I was going to talk about... Um, the, the looming government shutdown, I had this in my notes to talk about this today, that the government was going to be shut down this week if they couldn't find a way to fund the government. And all the news media was trying to blame Republicans over this. I was going to mention, you know, here's the thing. The Democrats have enough votes to pass whatever budget they want and keep the government funded however long they want. They just have to get their own Democrats to agree. They don't even need the Republican votes. But... Then the Republicans, the Republicans caved and they went ahead and gave them some votes to fund the government another few months. They didn't even need to. They should have hung the, the Democrats out to dry. I'm pretty mad at them right now. So I'm not even going to talk about that now because I, I got out here to record this tonight so I could have this on the podcast tomorrow. Um, trying to record this Thursday night so it could come out Friday. And the Republicans caved and helped the Democrats out for no reason. Absolutely no reason. I'll give you this instead. I was going to mention this from Kevin Smith. You know, he's a semi-famous Hollywood director, um, especially among nerd communities and stuff like that. He's really into the DC movies and all that stuff and comic books. And anyway, he posts this on like Twitter. This is so sad. He's, he went hiking and he's wearing two masks to go hiking. That's what COVID has done to people. It's made them afraid of air, even when you're out hiking on trails away from other people. He's wearing masks to go hiking. Two masks. He posts a picture of himself on Facebook. <laughs> he says, hiked Runyon for the first time in a month. A maskless passerby. <laughs> He's mad that someone else walked by him without a mask on. On a hiking trail. How crowded are these hiking trails, Kevin Smith? <laughs> a maskless passerby told me, two masks is overkill. Because it is. I replied, Batman wears a mask. <laughs> Batman wears a mask? Like, that's your comeback? <laughs> okay, some things about that. I don't even, do I even need to explain why that's a stupid comeback and not clever at all? Batman's, he, one, he wears a mask not to fight COVID, but to protect his identity. Two, the mask Batman wears doesn't even cover his mouth which is what the face masks that you're wearing two of are supposed to do, Kevin Smith. Three, Batman only wears one mask. Four, Batman's not real. I don't know if I need to go on. How is that? I think Kevin Smith posts this like he's like he owned the guy, like he's proud of this. <laughs> Batman wears a mask, I replied. And then this is what he said, this is what he said next. Maskless guy looked at me like I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> which is what the rest of us are doing too. 
<laughs> and then Kevin Smith proudly finishes, In moments like this, instead of arguing, I like to counter unsolicited opinion with unsolicited fact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess it is a fact that Batman wears a mask. This is the logic of people who wear two masks. By the way, if you ever wonder, like, what's the logic behind people who wear two masks? This is how deep and reflective it is. Batman wears a mask. Okay. That's that's how smart these people are who wear two masks. Thank you, Kevin Smith. I'm just mentioning that because I, di- I didn't get to talk about the Republican shutdown thing. So, All right. I'll, here's what I want to do before we go. Um, I want to do a Beyond the Headline, and I have one new segment I want to do called What's Racist This Week? You know, I mentioned my Sunday school class earlier, and we have we have kind of this fun thing where every week we talk about something that's been declared racist by the left. It's just, there's always something. It's always something stupid like a rock is racist or trees are racist. Those are literal things that the left has tried to declare racist this year. Zookeeping is racist. Cycling is racist. So anyway, let me give you some things that have been declared racist for this week. (laughs) I I wasn't going to start doing this on the program because I thought, oh, the left's going to stop doing this soon. They won't stop. Apparently, they're not going to stop. What's racist this week? Black Friday is racist. I'm I'm kind of surprised that hasn't been declared racist yet, but students demand Black Friday be renamed until they discover it has nothing to do with race. It is one of these groups who went out in interviews, call students, and ask some questions and and basically makes them look dumb. It's not always fair, but they were asking if Black Friday should be renamed, renamed because it's racist. And they're like, oh yeah, definitely. Then they found out it had nothing to do with race. If you note that Omicron was discovered in South Africa, that's racist. Okay. They say Omic- Omicron blaming shows persistence of racism in healthcare. I think that was from Reuters. Uh, here's one from the the Womixen, the wom, the woman project, but they don't put an E in women. They put an X, the Womixen project. Some stupid thing. Some stupid liberal thing. I don't even know how to explain it. Here's what they say. Abortion bans are rooted in white supremacy. <laughs> so the people who are wanting to ban abortion in Mississippi, well, they're not just anti-women. They're also anti-black or something. They're white supremacists, okay? I'll, I'll keep cataloging this each week because it's funny. The things the left tries to convince us is racist. But let me just mention here, what's it all about? Why are, why are they always trying to say stuff is racist? Well, it's because of this. Joe Biden declared this week that racism is a public health threat. Racism is a public health threat. Why do they say that? Um, remember what I told you before. People will accept any government overreach if you tell them, that it's a matter of health and safety. I mean, they'll literally let you round up citizens into concentration camps, healthy citizens, to say it's a matter of health and safety. So this thing of declaring everything racist, it is setting up a future where they can claim more authority. When they say racism is a public health threat, that's so that someday they can do whatever they want to you and your business, and they'll claim they're doing it in the name of anti-racism because that's what's needed for health and safety. They're just setting up, they're just laying the groundwork right now. That's why they say everything is racist. Well, if everything is racist and the government's job is to solve the problem of racism for the sake of health and safety, then they can do whatever they want because everything is racist. They have control over whatever they declare to have control over. That's what they are setting up. 
So we're just going to mention that here, and we're going to keep we're going to keep track of it. Okay, um, I'm going to do a beyond the headline segment in just a minute, and then we'll wrap up after that. Before I close down later, I'm just going to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. Anyone who gets it to us first will get credit for it. And also, if you want to stay in touch throughout the week, we're on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. And also, if you like Bible studies or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and it has nothing to do with news or current events. But it is what I consider my main podcast. It has new episodes on Mondays. So just go look up Cross References on Apple or Spotify. Wherever you get this podcast, you can find my other one. And um, now let's do a Beyond the Headline. I want to talk about this story from, uh, I think it's NBC or MSNBC. Here's the headline. Here's this headline that came across my phone. After Rittenhouse verdict, advocates demand justice for Crystal Kaiser. So... Yeah, I know it's another Kyle Rittenhouse thing, but this case is going to linger for a while because this was a big deal. And so, looks like NBC has uh, NBC News. They put out this story, and when I see this headline, the first thing I think is, whatever the situation is with this girl, Crystal Kaiser, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. I'm sure they have nothing to do with each other because from day one, the media has misunderstood the whole Kyle Rittenhouse case. So I thought, whatever the point they think they're making, they are screwing it up. <laughs> I just know that already. But I went ahead and read the article. So it said, in Wisconsin, where Kyle Rittenhouse successfully claimed self-defense, supporters want similar treatment for a sex-trafficked minor. Okay? As we read the article, it starts off, Wisconsin's self-defense law led to Kyle Rittenhouse's acquittal on homicide charges, sparking protests across the state and country. Now advocates are calling for justice for a child sex trafficking survivor in the state, holding that if Rittenhouse could successfully claim self-defense, then she can too. Well, like I said, I already knew going into this, her case is going to have nothing to do with Kyle. I'm not saying she's guilty or innocent. I'm just saying I know her case, whatever's going on with her, had nothing to do with Kyle. And here's how they recap. After recapping Kyle's case, they say, Prosecutors said that Rittenhouse was an aggressor, traveling from his Illinois home to Kenosha with an AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle. Now, just to stop right there, that was false. You know, prosecutors might have said that, and that's actually not true information. He didn't carry the gun across state lines. And I don't know that it even would have been illegal if he did. But the fact remains, he did not do that. So the article shouldn't even be reporting that, because that's known to not even be a true fact about the case. They're really obsessed with this crossing state lines thing. I don't know why. That's It's weird, but they're obsessed with it. Then this is what the article says. According to Wisconsin law, and then they just state the self-defense law for Wisconsin. I just want to point something out here. That is law everywhere. I keep, rep- I keep saying this stuff about Kyle Rittenhouse reported. They'll say, according to Wisconsin self-defense law. Okay, that's just the basic self-defense law of every country. That if someone's trying to attack you, you can shoot them in self-defense. That's totally allowed in whatever state you're in. They keep talking about it as the Wisconsin law. Now, every state might have their own wording of how they do the self-defense law, but in all 50 states, if you're laying on the ground and someone runs up and tries to hit you with a, skate- with a skateboard, or in the case of Gage Grosskreutz, tries to shoot you in the face with a gun, 
you are allowed to defend yourself. This is basic law everywhere. There is no state where self-defense is illegal. <laughs> but this is always reported as, well, according to the Wisconsin law, <laughs> an emanation within a penumbra in the self-defense law of Wisconsin, Kyle was somehow able to get off here. No, the, the only reason Democrats are confused about that is because they're morons. Okay, continuing the article. Following the Rittenhouse verdict, demonstrators chanted Kaiser's name along with the names of the men Rittenhouse shot as they marched through the downtown area to protest the acquittal, according to the journal Sentinel. Social media users have also caused, called for justice for Kaiser comparing her case to Rittenhouse's. Well, let me tell you about Kaiser's case, just to explain her case. When she was 17, she shot a man in the head who had been sexually abusing her. He had been holding her as a sex slave. She shot him in the head, set his home on fire. Um, she had met this man on some website that I guess is some, it's not even around anymore, but I guess some website where people meet up for sexual encounters. But she was 16, I think, at the time. And this man began abusing her and sold her for sex to other people, filmed her. And at some point in this house, she's able to get a gun and killed him, set the house on fire, stole his car. Frankly, I've, based on what I know of this story, it's not exactly like Kyle's case in the sense um, that it was self-defense, that he was, I guess at the time, he was asleep or something, or he wasn't attacking her at the time. But she felt that she had to do this to get away from him and that he, because he'd been abusing her. Frankly, based on what I know from this story, I don't really have a problem with her doing that. Like, I don't, and I don't see why she was charged. I don't see why she's having to go through a court case. This seems kind of like not not self-defense in the same way as Kyle's, but I could see the argument for self-defense. So I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with her based on what I know in this NBC article, and there could be details that they're leaving out. But I don't I don't actually blame her for doing that. But anyway, here's what I'm saying. that This case is not like Kyle's at all. This is a much different situation from Kyle's. So when people say as people, I guess, are calling on social media for justice for her, comparing her case to Rittenhouse's, they're saying, oh, well, since Kyle got off, then this girl should get off. Well, frankly, I, I agree with that. But those two cases have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> Absolutely nothing to do with each other whatsoever. And the article even says this. It says, talking about um, the self-defense, it said this, self, this particular self-defense argument has never been used before in a homicide case in Wisconsin, according to NPR. Okay, so it's not like Kyle Rittenhouse's case. So basically, anytime you see anyone in the media trying to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case, they're just going to get the facts wrong because they seem to not understand the basic situation. I mean, I don't know how else to... I don't know how else to wrap my head around all that. They don't seem to understand... They don't have the sense to just understand the basics of the situation. Uh, I'll mention, too, Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse, I guess he, he was trying to enroll at Arizona State University, and there's all these protests and chants, and the school rescinded his application or whatever and said, no, nah, sorry, you can't attend here because it's making making the students too mad. It's making the students too angry <laughs> if you were to go to school here. So that, that was a thing that's also happened this week. Um, a lot of people are mad about it. I'm just going to say this. That really helps Kyle with his defamation case. He hasn't filed any of them yet. But once he starts suing these 
media figures and politicians who defamed him all that time, he's going to have a lot of evidence for how they screwed up his life that he's going to be like, well, I tried to enroll in college and the college rejected me, you know, just on the basis of there were all these protesters who were not happy that I would be attending the same school as them. He has a lot of grant and they were calling him murderer and white supremacist and terrorist and all that stuff. He has a lot of grounds to point out now how people in the media totally tried to run his name through the mud for something that he was found innocent for. That's really going to help his defamation case. So I know it stinks for Kyle this week, but this is great evidence when he finally does. These students throwing a hissy fit about the fact that he was enrolled in online classes, so they weren't even going to have to like be around him. He's going to be in online classes. These students that were throwing a fit over that, <laughs> they've, they've helped him with his eventual uh, eventual defamation suits that are going to come someday. Definitely going to come someday because that's just money on the table for him. Yeah, some, re- some conservatives were mad at Kyle because he did an interview with Tucker Carlson and he mentioned that he supported the BLM movement. And so some... So there were some conservatives mad about that. I just want to, I, I, when I, when I heard that he did that, let me just point out the logic behind that. Okay. When he does these defamation lawsuits, one of the things that people defamed him with was calling him a white supremacist. They called him racist, even though all the people he shot were again, white people tried to label him a white supremacist and all this stuff. If he's gone on national TV and voluntarily, willfully, said that he supports the Black Lives Matter movement, that's going to be really, really hard for the people that he's suing to try to argue that... It's going to make it really hard for them to argue that he actually is a white supremacist. (laughs) Because apparently he's a white supremacist who went on national TV and talked about how he supports BLM. You know, so whenever he sues them and says, how dare you call me a white supremacist and try to ruin my name... Whenever they try to say, oh, well, he is a white supremacist, they're going to have absolutely no grounds by which to say that. So this is all helping him in, in his eventual lawsuits against these people. And I can't wait for it to happen. You know, one thing I saw as these people were out there protesting that he was going to be an online student at Arizona State University. There are people out there with signs that said death to America. The anti house protesters were chanting death to America. Do you remember back in the good old days when it was just, you know, the Muslim terrorists who were chanting death to America? And and now it's American liberal college students chanting that in the streets and the Decepticons that they listen to. Thanks for listening to a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. And just remember, if anyone tries to make walk happen, it's not going to happen. That's just fake news. <laughs> <laughs>